Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast with your host, Marcus Greaves and Adam Nicholson. Adam, let's get this thing going, my man. How you doing? Definitely doing well, man. How you doing, Marcus? I'm good, man. This is exciting for me because uh, anyone who listens to the Damn Podcast, they know that I am not iffy on recruiting. I, it needs, I take, you know, it takes a little convincing for me to really buy into recruiting. But, you know, after this last recruiting cycle, like I said, I've opened my eyes a little bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to get this thing going, and I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it. We have you, a Beaver Blitz recruiting analyst, uh, myself, a former player. So I think it's going to, you know, I think it's going to work really well, and I think it's going to be good for the listeners just, just to kind of get some different perspectives. So. Let's just dive right into it. Yeah. What uh, what kind of news you got for us? At well, least as in the past week. Definitely, this last week, uh, I want to start off by you know recognizing that Beaver Blitz has been around for 17 years. You know, we celebrated our 17th birthday last week, and I think it's just a testament to the growth of the brand that Angie and Eric have done, and really just say first and foremost, thank you for their hard work and really making Beaver Blitz the community that it is now and also kind of paying respects to the, the Godfathers, uh, Shoveler, Pondering Bee, the guys who started it all back in 2001 for us and all the loyal Blitzers who've been there since the beginning and those of us who have come along um, ever since. You know, you got JP and Bull Mountain and BA Beef and Beaver Lane, Beaver Pete and I, I know I'm leaving out so many people but it's just 17 years now, it's and we're still going strong. It's crazy to think about. And, uh, you know, Marcus, you've been such a great addition to what we're doing over the last couple of years and continuing to grow. And this podcast is a testament to that. So um, everyone out there, thank you. We appreciate it, and we hope to uh, live up to the standards that the uh, damn podcast has set for everyone already. <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to try. And, you know, the, the biggest thing I just want to throw in my two cents is, I know the Dan podcast is kind of uh, – it's more general overall Oregon State athletics. I know a lot of the time Angie and I focus on football. Um, and, you know, we break really everything down, but it's not in-depth. And so uh, it, it's kind of, you know, like the morning newspaper, if people listen to it in the morning driving to work, it's kind of just giving somebody or giving the listeners around Oregon State and everybody like that just kind of a general outlook of – our thoughts, things are going on, but you know this is a, a is a deeper dive into recruiting, and you know, like I said, we don't talk enough about recruiting just because me and Angie have a lot on our plate. But you know, we now doing this podcast, I think it's going to be great. We can go in depth on you know football, basketball, baseball, softball, really anything we want. So you know, I'm excited for this, and uh, so Adam. What kind of news you got for us to start us off? Hey, man, so let's just kind of recap uh, certain things. This week is going to be heavy on football. Uh, we're gonna, so we got spring camp kicking off this last week, so we're really going to emphasize that. But I really felt that we needed to talk a little hoops, though, before uh, we got into the, the football talk. Um, some new news coming out for the men's basketball team as they enter the uh, Pac-12 tournament this week. They actually hosted an official visitor um I guess two weekends ago, two weekends ago now, um, in point guard Tyson Jolly out of Trinity Valley Community College. Um, he's listed as a point guard. I kind of view him more as a com combo guard. Um, he's got an interesting story in that he's a Baylor bounce back. 
Um, kind of had some health issues, which kind of derailed things down there. He had some, uh, I guess, blood clots in his lungs that he was dealing with towards the end of his uh, uh, high school career. Um, got down at Baylor, just couldn't really find his niche, bounced back to Trinity Valley, and has really kind of picked up things down there as far as on the recruiting front. Uh, has a reported top three of SMU, Wichita State, and Oregon State, and then ECU's kind of lingering there as well. Um, definitely just explosive score, plays above the rim, um, can step outside, knock down shots, but really his game is uh, based around his athleticism and being able to get to the rim, um, get some boards. He has a pretty good assist-to-turnover ratio at like 2.3 to 1, which is all right. Um, that's kind of why I label him as a combo guard as well. Uh, so definitely one to keep an eye on there as we come out of the Pac-12 tournament. Um, he's kind of expected to make a decision here soon. Uh, a couple other names to know as the uh, um, official visits, as the, the open session starts back up for recruiting in the spring. Uh, shooting guard out of Italy, Federico Miyashi. Uh, he's 6'5", 190. He's got eight schools that he's really down to, Arizona State, Georgetown, Georgia Tech, Maryland, Minnesota, TCU, and Oregon State. And he's going to be taking some official visits come May. The last prospect that's really uh, Beaver fans need to know about regarding men's basketball is James Jean Marie. He's another JUCO kid out of Navarro College down in Texas as well. Uh, same league as Tyson Jolly. He's more of a, a wing player, 6'7", 215, kind of in the mold of a Trace Thompson type um, guy who can play. He's a little bit more inside than Trace is. Um, but he's actually he's a Canadian prospect originally. came out of there, went the JUCO route, and he's got a top three of East Carolina, Oregon State, and USD San Diego. He's taken one official visit here to ECU already, and he's looking to set up some more come May uh, before that late signing period ends. So felt like we really need to talk a little hoops just because the bees might not be done for that 2019 class. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I, I know I know you're really high on Jared Lucas and some of those guys, mm-hmm. Marcus. Um, I think some of these guys can really complement them, um, especially like a Tyson Jolly who can come in and play that combo guard just in case uh, Jared or Gianni aren't quite ready to step up into the – the limelight right off the bat. So um, that kind of, that, I think that kind of wraps up the hoops talk though for the week. Um, I know everybody's really excited about football and I think that's what we should talk about. What do you think? Absolutely. Let's, let's, uh, let's dive into football, man. Spring football is here and I love it. Spring football is always a time where, you know, especially if you're a recruit, I remember just when I was getting recruited, going to spring practices, man, and, and they were just great. Everyone was having a good time. You know, the sun is shining, depending on where you're at. Even in Corvallis, <laughs> where I went, the sun was shining. So it was a good time. And, I and you know, it was really fun. But, you know, it's just the fact that you get to see kind of a more relaxed team, more relaxed coaches in spring ball compared to what you would see, you know, obviously at a football game. I think coaches can give these players more attention, kind of give them more to show at, you know, practices, everything like that, compared to a game where, you know, maybe the coach will say, hey, Marcus, how you doing? Good to see you. Thank you for coming. We appreciate it so much, but we have a game to play, right? So yeah. it's just it, – it's different in the spring. And so, you know, what kind of – you know, what kind of, what do we have at least brewing for us this spring with recruits? Well, we got some, uh, some new offers that have gone out. This is really kind of the time that uh, they're taking their next step as far as evaluations and kind of um, – not necessarily moving on from the more national recognized recruits or some of them that they might have closer relationships with or ties with. 
Um, but really getting in deeper into the evaluation phase of everything. Um, Oregon State so far has been very conservative in extending offers. I think my last count, I had them at 85, whereas the national average right now is somewhere in between 150 to 200 offers already extended. And I know we're going to be talking about this here on Blitz here soon, but uh, I read a really interesting article on Sports Illustrated a couple weeks ago about the increase in numbers that programs have been extending offers. Um, you know, they can only sign 25 guys per class, right? So over the last seven years or this decade, essentially, it used to be the 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 high number of offers extended per class, recruiting class, was somewhere around 200. That seemed to be, you know, the extremes. This last year, Nebraska and several other schools eclipsed the 500 offer mark, which is just baffling to me. I, I don't understand how you can be not necessarily actively recruiting 500 athletes at one time, but think that, you know, some combination of those kids are – could be in your program. Um, right. So it's it's interesting to watch that. We'll definitely talk more about that inside the lodge here on Blitz as the week um, kind of evolves. But back to Oregon State, they are taking more of a conservative approach and um, extending offers, really making it a more personal deal, um, getting to know these guys more off the field and what they do. Um, in the classroom and in their communities and trying to evaluate not only their fit as a football athlete, but their fit, how they think they could fit into Corvallis and the community at large around the campus. So I think, you know, as we kind of look at who they're out there offering right now, um, we're seeing kind of some trends. Uh, we've got a couple new running back offers out to Justin Baker um, out of Kennedy Catholic up in Bury in Washington. Uh, home to Brian and Anthony Watkins, uh, former Oregon State athletes. Um, you played with Brian and Ant, didn't you? Or were they no, just before I think you? It, they were just before me. I think one year before me was, yeah, I think it was one year. Okay. Yeah, they're up there. So same neck of the woods then. Great guys. Um, they, I think there's a little bit of a, a tie there between them. Uh, Marshawn, Marshawn Buchanan is the other running back offer that's been extended here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, he plays at a smaller school down in SoCal, Adelanto. Uh, they're a D6 AA school down there. So they're, they're on a much lower, I don't want to say, yeah, I guess level of play down there, but he put up a big year last year, over 2,000 yards, 18 touchdowns, and he's actually racked up 13 offers already. Uh, both those guys are really starting to find their, their stride on the recruiting trail. Um, Justin Baker, he had an early offer from um, Arizona, and then Oregon State offered, and it seemed like a couple days later a bevy of schools started coming in in Nebraska, Cal, Colorado, UCLA showing more interest, Notre Dame showing more interest. Um, so he's going to be a kid who's continuing to see his uh, his profile increase. And I think the Bees got in at a good time on him, got in on him early. Uh, he's electric with the ball in his hands. And when I spoke with him, the one thing he singled out about Oregon State more than anything else was Coach Petrie and just how dynamic and uh, relatable he is as a coach, not only on the recruiting trail, but just as a person. And uh, I know you've had a, a few interactions with Coach Petrie, too. And could you speak a little bit about, you know, 
who he is and yeah, your interactions yeah. there? Absolutely. I mean, he would just be a guy that I would love to play for. And when I when I sat down and talked to him, you know, when you're in a position of media, I know, you know, everyone knows that the coaches are going to look at you a little different. But when I sat down and, you know, he it wasn't a, hey, coach, I used to play here. He was like, oh, Marcus, how you doing, man? You know, it's unfortunate about your knees, you know, everything like that kind of went on. So you're like, oh, okay, you know, he actually does care about the players, former players. And that's a big thing with Coach Smith is that, you know, bringing these former players back, no matter what your role is, if you're a media guy, if you're, you know, whatever you are, right, they're they're going to show you love. And, you know, when you talk to him, he's he's a sincere guy, but he's so knowledgeable, right? And like mm-hmm. you said, he's relatable. So instead of me being nervous and being like, hey, coach, you know, uh, can you kind of just talk about, I don't know, what, what your run philosophy is? He's just like, man, I'm going to let these guys go. You know, I'm just going to let these guys play because there's no point in trying to turn them into robots, right? Why Definitely. would you – why would you change the way that they play as soon as they got to college if that's the reason why that, you know, we've given them a scholarship to college, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you don't want to change somebody's game because, like I've said on the damn podcast, you know, hundreds of times is what the last staff did was they just got everybody uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And not uncomfortable in a good way as in growth, but uncomfortable in a way as, you know, they we almost started to question our football ability. You know, if I'm running down the sideline and I usually spin move, and the coach is like, we don't like spin moves, and I run down the sideline, and I don't spin move and get tackled instead of, you know, spinning this guy and scoring a touchdown, mm. it shows, right? It shows that yeah. they're affecting the way that you're playing, but not with this staff, and especially not with Coach Petrie because, you know, there's a, there's plenty of things that Jamar Jefferson did just this last season that I know for a fact wouldn't fly with the last staff, right? Like yeah. his run style, the way he would do some of the things. But you see, when you get a player comfortable and you get a player believing in or believing that you believe in him, then their ability is going to go through the roof. And that's exactly what happened is, you know, they just, they opened the gate and said, play how you play. Obviously, we want you to do these things, work on these things. Mm-hmm. But in the spur of the moment, you're not going to think, okay, they don't want me to jump cut this way. You're going to jump cut, you're going to make the guy miss, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what it is. So I think that's what players can relate to. And I know for a fact, I would, you know, I related to him right there because I was like, man, I would have loved to play for this guy since it's just, he just lets you be comfortable and be who you are as a player. On top of, you know, you can add that he's funny. You know, he I don't want to say he acts like one of the one of the guys, but he kind of does, you know. And yeah. so at the end of the day, it's just you can see the trust. You can see that he thinks he, that he knows he's human, and he, you can see that he just wants you to be successful on the field and off the field, and he actually cares about you as a person. So when you have a coach like that, it's almost too hard not to commit to a guy like that. I agree, and I mean – Definitely, you know, you see the love that he has for his players, and then you just, as far as us, you see that transitioning over to the recruiting trail and kind of showing that same level of love for his, the guys who he wants to join the program. Um, mm-hmm. But he, I, I think he's going to be, if he's not already, probably the best recruiter on staff. Um, he's got, you know, his main priority is, or recruiting area is going to be, um, down in LA and he's just making such great inroads down there. Um, basically anybody that we talk to from that area, um, SoCal, they, they bring up coach Petrie and just gush about him. Um, so, you know, some other news and notes, I guess, new offers. We got a new offer out to a wide receiver out of, uh, Palo Alto, Jameer Shepard. He's a three-star 
um, as well. He's a former teammate of Jackson Chris, our preferred walk-on quarterback that we got coming in as part of the 2019 class. We were his first offer, and he's actually looking to get up here to uh, Corvallis here soon once his uh, hoop season wraps up. Um, got a few O-linemen kind of to watch. Caden Steven is a offensive lineman out of Camas, Washington. Uh, big kid, 6'6", 295. Um, actually former teammates with Jack Coletto up there at Camas. Uh, another O-lineman who's really seen his stock increase, he was up on campus um, earlier this month as Levi Rogers out of Woodenville, Washington. Um, he was originally a three-star when 24-7 reevaluated, he bumped up to a four-star. And he's got, you know, just a laundry list of uh, schools interested in him, and he's definitely taken advantage of that by making the rounds, checking out campuses, not only Oregon State, but Notre Dame. He's got all four of the Pac-12 Cali schools coming up for unofficial visits. Um, when I talked to him earlier this month, he's definitely looking to get back down into Corvallis. He he really felt the community while he was there and really thinks that, that the tight-knitness, if that's a word, um, of everything around Oregon State was a, a big draw to him. You know, he's, he wasn't necessarily bought into all the flash and um, substance that other kids can get, you know, I don't want to say sucked into, but – be drawn to at some other schools um, that are out there. But I think probably the most interesting position group to watch uh, as part of the 2020 class so far is going to be our DBs um, with coach, new coach uh, Blue Adams leading the way. Um, we're definitely seeing a transition into or transition from what he envisions the ideal defensive backs to be. For corners, he likes really tall um, well-built, physical, long-arm DBs out there on the edge that can play out on the island. And you see that reflective in some of his latest offers. Um, Donovan Clark is 6'3", 190 at a Lincoln High School up in Tacoma. Um, he is an incredibly long athlete out there on the edge. Um, Joey Hunter is another one. He's out of Sandy Creek, Georgia. He's 6'1", 185. Um, he, I would probably label him as a Colorado lean. He has a good relationship with uh, Mel Tucker there at Colorado, who were the first to offer um, the connection there, being that Tucker was uh, the former D.C. there at Georgia. Uh, another new offer was uh, JoJo Wilson out of North Shore, the defending national champions uh, down in Houston. He's another one, 6'1", 180. Um, the Link there to Oregon State is he's actually a former teammate of Case Rogers who just moved over into the safeties room. And uh, he told me a funny story about how his offer came about. Um, he was, he had been talking to Case for a while and Case was, you know, telling him, hey, stay patient. Um, you know, Oregon State's giving you a look and all this. And he actually FaceTimed with Case one, one afternoon. And uh, he's talking to, to Case there on his phone, and Coach Adams came up, stole his phone, and uh, started talking to him and just was chopping it up and basically said, hey, you know, do you want to be an Oregon State Beaver? And JoJo was taken aback and, you know, confused. He goes, well, here's an offer for you, and just extended him an offer. Oh, man. So it's kind of funny there. Um, but definitely another lightning-in-a-bottle type athlete out on the edge. Uh, they got another offer that went out this last couple of days to a athlete out of SoCal, um, Elijah Jackson, and he's connected to Jamar Jefferson. They're really good friends. Coach Petrie had laid the groundwork. Coach Adams offered him. 
Um, so there's kind of, you know, he's another big kid out there, 6'2", 175. So you're seeing this, these patterns, especially in the corners that he's offering. They're all taller, lankier, really good athletes, good hips that can turn and run, keep up with the uh, wide receivers getting downfield. Um, so that's kind of that, – I think that's going to be one emphasis that we want to watch and see how Blue Adams plays out on the recruiting trail, um, what he's looking for. And I know Angie just did a great piece, a really in-depth interview with uh, Coach Adams that's up on Beaver, Beaver Blitz right now um, that I think it's well worth a, a read. Absolutely. And, you know, if is, is there is there a guy out of this, I would say, um, that really just stands out to you more than anybody offer-wise, right? Is there a certain player that you think would come in and instantly make an impact for Oregon State? Yeah, I definitely. I think Donovan Clark is a kid who, you know, has the tools and is already ready to go. Um, he's rated as a three-star. I could see him getting bumped up to a four later on. But regardless of star ranking, he just has the tools that you like in those uh, um bigger DBs, you know, I, I want to say Brandon Browner type comparison, but I think Donovan's actually probably a better um, athlete than Brandon was. Brandon was a big body, just extremely physical and probably should have played safety rather than corner, in my opinion, when he was in, in Corvallis, but kind of the same mold there. Um, but will he be in Corvallis? That's really tough to say. I mean, he's got Notre Dame looking at him. He's got his first offer was from Oregon and, um, you know, a coach that we all know and love down there in Eugene, um, Keith Hayward Johnson's leading his recruitment. So it's going to be, it'd be a tough pull to get, uh, Clark down to Corvallis. But I really like Absolutely. Wilson as well. I think Wilson, uh, Jojo Wilson down there, he's played for obviously an elite, <clears throat> um, high school program in North Shore. Um, and he comes from, uh, recruiting hotbed and football hotbed down there in Houston. So I think he might be one of those kids who might be a little bit under the radar. If you can call somebody who has, what, 13 offers under the radar, um, but he just doesn't necessarily garner a lot of the headlights or limelight that uh, certain athletes already have. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, maybe this is where we can switch gears to just some of the guys that I was, you know, fortunate enough to go check out and, and break down their film. Um, you know, if you want to dive kind of deeper into John Miller and um, Sawyer Racanelli, certainly, you know, maybe any news about them or anything like that. Well, Sawyer was already on campus. He came out that uh, first Thursday of spring camp, and him and a couple of other athletes have already been on campus, 2021 um, inside linebacker Mason Tufaga, Isaiah's little brother out of uh, St. Louis High School there in Hawaii. Uh, Sandry Mitberg is an outside linebacker, like stand-up edge rusher out of Beaverton. He doesn't have an offer yet from Oregon State, but he's definitely somebody to uh, uh, watch, and we have we spoke with him and are getting his thoughts out, and those should be out probably tomorrow. Uh, Grant Stark is a offensive lineman out of Thurston High School down in Springfield. Um, he was a real standout last year at uh, one of the Beavers' half-day camps and then turned that around and led uh, Thurston High School to a 5A state championship here in Oregon. Um, there's been a few other athletes that have been on campus so far, but I definitely think the, uh, you know, Keith Brown at 11, and there's another 2021 athlete, outside linebacker, possibly running back um, type hybrid guy. But I think um, as far as, 
standout athletes and somebody who could really be a difference maker, you're definitely looking at Racanelli. And while I've only seen film on him, you've seen him live. So what's your live take on Sawyer, Marcus? Let me tell you, man, when it comes to a player that, in my mind, I 100% think if Oregon State does not get this guy, then obviously I'm going to cry myself to sleep. But if they do get him, I uh, I don't even know what to put this on. He is really a once – I don't want to say once in a lifetime, but he's he is one of those guys that you get and he'll make an impact along the lines of, in my mind, Brandon Cooks, those big kind of players, you know, Teron Ward, these kind of guys – that come in and you can tell right away that they're going to make an instant impact and they are just, I don't know, man. It's It was so unbelievable when I got to watch him. I did play-by-play here at 1080 The Fan for his state or a couple of his games. And the most important one, I would say, obviously, was the state championship game uh, for Washington. I got to watch Hawkinson play. Um, I think it was Linden. I, I don't want to butcher their name. I think it was Linden, but... <laughs> It hit a point where I was sitting there thinking, and, you know, just a little backstory on it is uh, Peyton Brammer is kind of the sidekick. I don't want to say sidekick because nobody likes to be called sidekick. But anyway, he's a sidekick to Sawyer Racanelli. Um, both of them are phenomenal receivers. They're a dynamic duo. But Peyton Brammer was actually hurt. So the passing game was, you know, they were, what teams were doing, what Linden was doing, was basically triple-teaming Sawyer Racanelli. So there's mm-hmm. absolutely no way he can get the ball. And he started off a little slow. You know, I'm not going to lie, he did, just because, you know, nobody could get him the ball. Because if there's three people around you, I don't care how good you are, you almost will never, ever come down with the ball. Mm-hmm. But as soon as it hit a point where you could tell that Sawyer got really pissed off, and I was like, oh, no. I was like, I've seen that look before. I know that look because I know I've done it before. Especially in high school games, you're like, listen, I need to put this on. I need to put this team on my back, and so we can win this game. And I think Hawkinson was down 21 to seven in the third quarter, Grand, in the third. So uh-huh. there's not a lot of time. What Sawyer did was unbelievable. I remember he basically, it looked like he begged the coaches to put him in as a wildcat, uh, wildcat quarterback. That's exactly what they did. First play of the game, he took it, or first play that they did that, he took it 75 yards for a touchdown. Next play, he played outside linebacker slash safety. He got an interception. Then from there, he just he went off, man. It was the most unbelievable game I've seen. I think he finished. I don't want to butcher it. I remember seeing kind of a little bit seeing the stats. I know he had six touchdowns, um, and he had, I think, an interception. He had three sacks. And, I mean, he put the team on his back. It was – and he broke the Washington record for rushing yards and touchdowns in a game, that game. It was unbelievable. And the fact that, you know, I was able to talk to him uh, a couple months later. I do an, another recruiting show, and he was on the show with us. And, you know, what he was saying was that I love Oregon State. They were loyal to me. They were the first ones who saw the vision, you know, and they saw that I could I could do something. And, you know, that meant a lot to him. And, what I was telling him was, listen, Sawyer, you're gonna get, you're gonna get a lot of offers, my man. And yeah. I should have, you know, maybe I should have pitched my two cents more and say, listen, <laughs> man, like, come on, Oregon State. But it came down to me saying, whatever decision you make, it, it has to be what's best for you. But a good way to look at it is, Oregon State was the first team to offer me, so mm-hmm. um, I took that just from experience. I took that and I held on to that. No matter who else was talking to me, I always had in the back of my mind, Oregon State was the one who believed in me first. And I know he has the same, you know, kind of mindset, and he's looking at it the same way. 
And so that's what I told him. But, man, I'm telling you, unbelievable athletic ability. He's fast. He's big. Soft hands. Has a killer mentality. And that's what I loved about it is that he didn't care that they were down. And when he, you know, when he showed his emotion, it showed. It didn't show by him throwing, you know, throwing a fit, showing that he was upset. It turned into his play. He was playing violent. I remember he sacked the quarterback one time, and I was like, "Listen, man, even when I was in my prime of playing football and I weighed like 225 pounds, I can say I do not. I would not want to be hit by that kid because <laughs> he just was so violent. He, you know, he he's a really humble guy as well. So everything about that guy is what Oregon State needs: playmaker, big, fast, strong. I think he's a once in you know a couple year guy that is as soon, if he steps foot on Oregon State's campus as a player, he's playing right away. I have no doubt in my mind that if you put him at receiver, he will find a way to get on the field. No matter how good Oregon State's receivers are, because I think that's a really good group, mm-hmm. I seriously think he finds a way on the field. And regardless, if you put him back at kick return or punt return, I, I would I would put my entire paycheck or tax <laughs> return that he's at least getting one, getting one punt return or kick return. And so he was unbelievable, man, and I really think that's a guy Oregon State has to absolutely prioritize, put him first on their list. Definitely. I agree. I mean, you know, you, you talk so highly of him as a receiver, and I think he could he could play on either side of the ball, in my opinion. I think it would be a travesty if he didn't play receiver at the next level, but he, I think he's equally as good at safety. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Marcus going next level there. Hey, let's keep at it, man. I know you you also took in uh, John Miller's film, the the first member of the 2020 class for uh, Oregon State. What's what's your take on him? So when I when I broke down John Miller's film, what I what first stood out to me is one, if you can get a linebacker that is downhill, you know does never and never shies away from contact. Those are the guys that you need because, first of all, listen, it, it's a violent sport. Everyone knows it's a violent sport. But mm-hmm. if you get a guy who is the hammer and not the nail, first of all, chalk that up as a A-plus because he has that. He has mm-hmm. that I am the hammer and not the nail, and that's what I loved. But, you know, another thing that I don't know how he did it, man, and I really don't, but he somehow came away with the football more than any linebacker I've seen in a long time. I don't know how he did it. Uh, you know, and, and anyone who's listening, please go watch his film. It doesn't make any sense half the time, but I am not going to question his ability. If he could somehow, one, strip the ball, intercept the ball, or find the ball if it's on the ground, he did every single time. It was absolutely unbelievable. I think he had – I don't know, I think he finished, and correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, it might have been like eight or nine interceptions as a linebacker, which is extremely good. On top of that, you know, he racked up an unbelievable amount of sacks. I really like the fact that he is he's strong with his hands. He's, uh, especially at first contact, say, with a pulling guard, pulling offensive lineman, regardless, he found a way to, you know, flat back most of the guys that he went up against. So that's something that's really impressive, and he still, you know, has another season under his belt. So that's going to be what's interesting to me, but just the fact that he, one, is extremely good with his hands, two, finds a way to get the ball somehow, somehow force turnovers, and as anybody who watches Oregon State defense, they know that, that we need that right now. We need nothing but turnovers and big plays and playmakers on defense, and he checks all of those. The one thing I will say, though, um, just an area I want to see him, see him improve is I want – to see how he does 
we all know that it's different once you get to the next level, Division One football. But it's it's his open field, not his open field tackling, but his ability to cover space and cover mm-hmm. in space. Because you think of a guy like Trayvon Bradford going up against John Miller, right? Trayvon Bradford, yeah. electric, quick, you know, shifty, can make guys miss. You want to see someone like John Miller be able to at least cover the right space because, say, you drop back into a zone and he has, you know, the middle of the field. What's going to happen if you get a guy like Trayvon Bradford on a slant, he catches the ball, is he going to be able to make up that ground and get that tackle, or is he going to get juked out because he can't get there fast enough? Or, like I said, he can't get there fast enough, and Trayvon would just catch the ball and turn it upfield, right? So that's what I want to see is is just can he cover that field? I know he's still young, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, thinking John Miller going against one of Oregon State's best and Trayvon Bradford is hard, but – those are the kind of things you have to keep in mind with linebackers is can they cover that space, especially in a zone, because, you know, a zone is it's a good way to get picked apart if, you know, if you don't do your job and you can't cover well in space. And so with a defense struggling like Oregon State, if Miller can really cover that space, I think that would be an absolutely big-time pickup and a big-time skill that he will develop or hopefully he does develop. But I think he could be, you know, I think by – I, I don't know if he's going to redshirt. I would personally, I would say he would redshirt. Mm-hmm. But if he, after his redshirt season, I have no, you know, I have no doubt in my mind that he can come in and and really compete for a starting spot or at least a good uh, a good amount of playing time. Because, like I said, man, he just has instincts about him that you don't really get until you're mature as a football player, and he has those. But like I said, it's it's really big for me right now that I see that eventually he can cover in space and really make up that ground. Yeah, and I think I think you know I agree with you and your assessment on um, specifically coming in, redshirting, um, and using that extra time to really grow and develop more um, at the collegiate level. I mean, he's already a standout at the high school level, but taking that extra year, continuing to develop his body, and really kind of take that year play his four games, and then be under the tutelage of somebody like an Avery Roberts, um, who everybody's kind of expecting to step right in and assume one of those Mm -hmm. inside linebacker positions. I think it could definitely pay dividends for him because Roberts is going to have, by that time he's in there, two-plus years in the system and really have that deep understanding, not only two years with uh, Coach Tibisar's system, but three years under Coach Bray as well, and be able to pick up not only on – what they're trying to do, but also the nicks and knacks of kind of um, intricacies of, I guess, of playing the position and um, shading and that kind of stuff. So it's definitely, I think he's he's a great pickup for um, Oregon State to really kind of get that 2020 class moving. Um, and I think, you know, if you haven't picked up on it yet, you know, we're definitely emphasizing the defense here on this pod this week. Um, I think, uh, you know, we should we should really talk about some of the uh, the top targets, I guess, um, for the uh, defensive side of the ball for this class. And I don't know, have you caught Andy Alfieri play yet out of uh, Jesuit? Uh, I have not. I, I certainly have been wanting to. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping to at least break down the film probably sometime this week or next week. Mm-hmm. And so I'll do that. But, yeah, can you kind of give us some more information on this guy? Hey, he's definitely at the top of Oregon State's big board. He is the number one player in the state of Oregon. And, you know, we already have John Miller playing on the inside. 
Andy Alfieri is kind of the outside complement. He's going to be a stand-up edge rusher, can also drop back in space and play um, out in coverage. He's got extensive ties already to the Oregon State program, and the fact that his both of his parents were student athletes in Corvallis. His older brother's a wideout on the team, or actually, no, I guess he just moved to running back, I think, for yeah, the spring. Did. And then uh, his other brother is actually over in the recruiting department. Um, you know, he, there's definitely strong ties to Oregon State and Corvallis, and I think he's one who's kind of bought in already to this, hey, let's build this program back up to competing for Pac-12 North, uh, the upper echelon there, Pac-12 championships, mm-hmm. try to get us back to the Rose Bowl. Um, I've, he's got offers from Air Force Cal, the Ducks have offered, the Utes out of Utah. I think the one program that uh, at this point Beaver fans should be a little wary of is whether Stanford enters in. Um, and extends an offer. His his other brother, um, Joey, right? Yeah. He's down at Joey. he just graduated from Stanford. He was a top uh top athlete in the two thousand thirteen class, I do believe. Uh top one hundred athlete, ended up going down to Stanford. He's now preparing for the NFL draft. Um big kid, but if Stanford were to get in, it's just it's it's hard to pass up the um educational opportunities that Stanford presents. It's really kind of unrivaled here on the West Coast. So that would be one that I'm pretty weary of. I already actually have a crystal ball in, though, for Alfieri going to Oregon State. So I think if there's one athlete right now that Beaver fans need to keep their eyes on, uh, it's going to be Alfieri. And I I hope and think he will be a Beav um, at some point. So uh, a couple other linebacker prospects, though. Uh, Junior Walling is another in-state guy. He's an inside linebacker um, out of McNary there in Salem area. Uh, 6'2", 215. He's actually listed as the number two recruit, I do believe, in the state of Oregon right now by 24-7 sports. Um, he's got Oregon State, Princeton, Utah, Yale. Uh, Purdue's been showing some love. Uh, I think Cal may have just offered or they're definitely showing some love. Um, it'll be interesting. He's another legacy athlete to Oregon State as well. His dad played down in Corvallis, I think, in the late 80s, um, early 90s, something like that. Um, but it, it's it's going to be a question of whether, you know, Oregon State and Coach Smith and Coach Bray and Coach Tibisar want to take a second inside linebacker as part of this class. Uh, if they do, I think Walling could be their guy. Um if not, it'd be kind of, I guess, sad to see, you know, a legacy athlete end up going somewhere else, but he's definitely talented enough to play um, at the Pac-12 level at just about any school. Um, kind of the last linebacker athlete that I have targeted right now, Jackson LaDuke, and he's an interesting kid out of uh, uh, Reno, Nevada. He's a three-star kid, 6'3", 220. Um, he's got UCLA, Arizona State, and an unofficial to Oregon State coming up throughout the spring. Um, when he's coming up to Corvallis, he's kind of, he hasn't quite got it locked in yet for the spring game, um, but he's he's really close to locking that up, getting up here. And he's actually going to bring one of his best friends, four-star all-purpose back Danielle Nagata, up with him, who uh, plays at Folsom down there in uh, East Sacramento. Um, so he's he's one to keep an eye on. I think he's he's another athlete who can 
stand up, get off the edge, set the edge, and uh, uh, get after the quarterback. So I think if you if you were to label three top linebacker targets, those would be the three to keep an eye on right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and like you said, we emphasize the defense right now because it's uh, it's been pretty rough, and I think a lot of young talent could, you know, if Oregon State could get those these young talented guys, I think they have some pretty good linebackers that they can learn from, and mm-hmm. then from there, you hope that you know maybe by the time they're in their second year that they have you know not only a good grasp of the game but they've grown a lot and then from there that's where the competition comes in and you want the young guys to push the old guys to make them uncomfortable and, and continue to obviously elevate the room elevate the play and hopefully the defense will take strides or big strides and get better definitely and uh you know i think that's kind of uh coach tibisar coach bray coach leggy coach adams they're definitely out there selling their vision and i think getting some of these guys who might be able to come in and create an influence or an impact on the uh, team or on that defense earlier rather than later is something that they're kind of highlighting here with this 2020 class. So we'll see how that kind of shakes out. Um, You know, D-line recruiting, if we want to switch gears, move more up front, it's kind of unsettled yet. They have a couple offers out to uh, some guys who are there in competition with. But I think what they're utilizing this, uh, you know, the two-week spring camp where they're practicing for two weeks and they go back and uh, give the kids uh, uh, some time off for dead week, finals week, spring break, then get back after it in April. But for the coaches, I really think that they're going to utilize that time to really assess where they're at. Okay, we got we're over a year into the system now. Um, what does our talent level look like? And I think they'll use that two-week gap to say okay well especially up front do we want do we have the luxury of going after some more um not necessarily project type guys but guys who might not be able to contribute immediately or do we need to continue to focus on the juco ranks and transfer ranks and um get guys who can come in and probably more than likely compete more immediately. So I think it's it's there's a couple guys, Stanley McKenzie, DT out of St. Louis High School. Uh, we had talked about uh, Mason Tufaga earlier, who had come out on an unofficial visit. McKenzie's one of his teammates, so might be worth keeping an eye on him. He's got a, a good offer list already. Uh, Deshaun Lynch, he's another athlete out of Folsom, California. He's a four-star. Um, worth keeping an eye on him, especially if Daniel Nagata ends up coming up to Corvallis with Jackson LaDuke, could there be a tie there? Uh, possibly. But I think that as far as D-line, we really need to kind of take a wait-and-see approach to see how they um, target their and where they place emphasis on uh, their recruiting efforts there. And I guess then just kind of wrapping up, uh, as far as top targets, we got to move to the back end, talk about Coach Adams' uh, efforts and you know, we kind of touched on it already, but there's definitely some kids still out there. Um, his newer offers, obviously, are guys we want to keep an eye on. Um, other guys like Isaac Gifford out of Nebraska, really good relationship with Coach Bray. Um, more of a cerebral safety. I don't think his athleticism necessarily jumps off the page at you, but he plays a lot like Coach Bray did in that he's able to read and react a lot quicker than, um, you know, some of your more athletic uh, athletes might be able to. So he's able to cut down that mental aspect of the game and to be a much sharper, um, 
CRISPR athlete out there, yeah, reactionary. Uh, another one, Zion Alafasio out of Villa Park, California. He's a four-star safety. Um, he's gone out on the record to say Washington's their le- his leader right now, but they haven't offered, so the door's kind of open um, for Oregon State. Some other programs kind of slide in there and possibly uh, – get an unofficial visit. I know Lucas has talked to some of these guys, Lucas Aguilar, who's our other uh, recruiting analyst, and I think uh, Zion's working to get up here this spring as well. So, Absolutely. Uh, it's, I mean, I just want to say how big it is to get these kids here because it's just when you, when you see it from a distance or you talk to coaches um, when they come to your house, anything like that, you know, I've been through all that, and – at the end of the day, I, I would say what really gets you is when you go check out the culture. You go check out the places that you're going because there's been plenty of times, you know, a good example is, you know, I really thought for a second, Coach Peterson, uh, now at Washington, he came to my house when he was at Boise State, and I sat down, and he was like, you know, we really want you to come to Boise State, everything like that. And I said an official visit, you know, I really loved having him come to my house and talk to me. And then I went there, and I was like, I just can't see myself here, right? I just mm-hmm. can't. And so getting those visits, getting those experiences, seeing people and meeting people who could potentially be your teammates, and I think Oregon State and their players do a great job of that, is welcoming everybody in. And so, if you you know, the more people that come in and the more people that see what Coach Smith and his staff have been building, you know, you get to spend time with your uh, your position group, you get to spend time with the position group coach, everything like that, it makes it so much easier and so much more you know, of a family environment for these players when they come in on their visits. Yeah, I think that's just half the battle is getting them actually up here. You know, once they're able to get on campus, experience all that, it, it makes the selling of everything so much easier, you know, because it's it's more relatable to them, more personalized. Absolutely. So, yeah, completely mm-hmm. agree, though. Absolutely. And, Adam, is there anything else you want to add before we kind of wrap this up? Whew. I don't think so. I think we're good to go. Um We'll see next week and possibly we either dive into maybe some offensive uh, targets for football or maybe we switch it up and do some hoops and baseball talk because, I mean, mm-hmm. baseball season is tipping or is, you know, in the midst of it, I guess, already for Oregon State. High school season is going to be starting up. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, we, and we will definitely keep everybody, uh, you know, in the loop exactly what the topics are for the day and, you know, we'll hit, we'll hit it off like we usually do. But if you have anything else to add, Adam, I want to thank you guys so much for listening to the first official episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast with your hosts Marcus Grease and Adam Nicholson. We will be back next week.